then you'll consider the traveler. But when he stopped over, sometimes he used to even combine the prayers, though he stopped over in a place for some period of time, as he did uh, in his journey to Tabuk and in his journey to Mecca and other places where it is mentioned and reported in authentic hadith that he stopped over for 10 days, that he stopped over for 19 days, that he stopped over for 20 days. And even during those periods of time, he was still uh, shortening and sometimes combining the prayers. Uh, and the last thing that he mentioned is that combining the prayers is a special permission for the Dua and Asr or for the Maghrib and Isha. And there is no combining with Fajr, nor is there any combining between Asr and Maghrib and so on. Okay, that's what we talked about last week. The following chapter is the chapter that is related to combining prayers. It is Bab Asr as Salat. Yani it is the chapter of Qasr or shortening the prayers Qasr al-Salat al-Safar shortening the prayers while journeying the first thing that I want to say is as I mentioned last week we should be reminded that the issue of combining the prayers is one thing and the issue of shortening the prayers is another thing altogether. Combining the prayers is permissible for various reasons. Perhaps for traveling, for sickness, for rain, for fear. There are many reasons for combining the prayers. But shortening the prayers is exclusive for the traveler. And the only reason that allows one to shorten the prayers is for traveling. Not for rain, for sickness, for other things, but as a traveler. And also, it is also uh, during the war, the fear prayer is also a reason to travel. In any case, the Qasr, the Shaykh says that Qasr, it means it is in reference to the prayers which are four rakah. That is, Dhuhr and Asr and Isha. And Al-Imam Ibn Munzir, Rahimahullah, says that there is a jama' or consensus of the scholars on the fact that there is no there is no shortening of the prayers for Maghrib and there is no shortening of the prayers for Fajr. And shortening the prayers is specifically related to the prayers which are Ruba'iyah, four Raka prayers, Dhuhr, Asr, and Isha. Uh, and he says that the reason for shortening the prayers is traveling. It is a permission that has been legislated for the traveler as a mercy and a ease for the traveler. The hadith that the author, Al Imam Abdul Ghani Ibn Abdul Wahid Al Maqdisi, Rahimahullah, in his book Umdat Al Ahkam, mentions concerning shortening the prayers, one hadith. But on the handout, you'll see that there's a whole page, maybe there are five or six hadith. There are extra hadith, not from the text of the book. But there are hadiths related to the issue of shortening the prayers for the traveler and there are important hadiths which help to clarify the issue and that's why we included them. And the hadith that we are responsible for is the hadith from the book, hadith number 129. That is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah. He said, Sahibtu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alayhi wa sallam fakana la yazidu fissafari ala raka'atayn. وَأَبَرْ بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرَ وَعُثْمَانَ كَذَلِكَ And Abdullah ibn Umar says 
that I accompanied the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa on some of his journeys. فَكَانَ لَا يَزِيدُ فِي السَّفْرِ عَلَى رَكَعْتَيْنِ And he never used to pray more than two raka'ah. He never used to pray more than two raka'ah. وَأَبَا بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرٍ وَعُثْمَنٍ كَذَلِكَ And likewise, he accompanied Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman on their journeys. And they used to do as the Prophet used to do, pray the prayers as two raka'ah, not increasing it more than that. Although there is some authentic hadith in Surah Al-Bukhari, that Uthman in the beginning of his Khilafah, when he first became the Khalifa of the Muslim, he used to pray the prayers at Turaqa and Mina during the Hajj, but later on the end of his Khilafah, he began to pray the prayers at Turaqa instead of Turaqa, instead of shortening them. And there's a long discussion about that, there's no time to go into the detail of it, but the important thing is that he in the beginning of his Khilafah did just as Abu Bakr and Umar did, that is what the Prophet ﷺ did praying the prayers as a traveler as two rakah only. He never prayed more than two rakah. Uh, the scholars differed concerning the matter of shortening the prayers on more than one point, and the Sheikh begins by mentioning the first issue of difference of opinion, it is whether or not shortening the prayer from two rakah to two rakah is obligatory. Is it wajib? Or is it a permission, a rukhsa? Is it wajib? Yani that anyone who is a traveler must shorten their prayers to two rakah? Or is it a rukhsa? They have an option. It's a permission. They may take it or leave it. They may pray as two rakah or four rakah. Uh, the three imams, Al-Imam Malik and Al-Shafi and Ahmed, rahimahumullah, held the position that it is permissible to make the prayer when one is traveling, complete as four rakah, and it is permissible to make it as two rakah, shorten it, but shortening it is preferable. Yeah, and shortening it is preferable. Though it's permissible to make the prayer full as four rakah. This is the opinion of the jamhur, the majority. Malik, Shafi, and Ahmed, rahimahullah. The second opinion is the opinion of Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah, who held that shortening the prayer al-qasr, for the traveler is wajib, it is obligatory. He has no option. If you are a traveler, you must shorten your prayer. And he was supported in his opinion by Imam Ibn Hazm, Zahiri, Rahimahullah, who said that uh, it is fard or obligatory on the traveler to pray only to rakah. The evidence for the first opinion, the majority, uh, or, I'm sorry, the, uh, the evidence of the second opinion, the minority, the opinion of Abu Hanifa and Imam Ibn Hazm, rahimahullah, uh, who held that it's obligatory to make qasr, to shorten the prayers, they say, their first evidence is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam always shortened the prayers during the Sabbath. He never prayed more than two rakah. As indicated in the hadith here of Abdullah ibn Umar, that he never prayed more than two rakah. This is a strong proof for them that if the Prophet never prayed more than four rakah, then how can anyone do otherwise? Uh, and those who differed with them said that the action of the Prophet does not indicate wujub. And the practice of the Prophet in a particular matter doesn't indicate that it's obligatory, but it indicates that it's mustahab, that it is beloved or it is commendable or recommended. Whereas the statement of the Prophet if he ordered us to do something, then that means it's obligatory. By, by him merely doing it, it means that it is something 
that is encouraged, it is recommended, it is commendable, it is mustahab. And this is the rule in Usul al-Fiqh, the scholars of Usul al-Fiqh say that the actions of the Prophet indicate istihbab, that something is commendable. Whereas his statement, if he commanded us to do it, then that would indicate that it's wajib. So they answered them saying, no, even though the Prophet always did that, his actions don't indicate that something is wajib, but it indicates that it's mustahab. And they said, we say that it's mustahab, but that it's permissible to make it complete. Though it's preferable to shorten it as the Prophet always used to do. They also, the first group who said that it's obligatory, used another proof, the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, and that hadith I think is mentioned here. Um, Naam, it is mentioned here. The first hadith of the extra hadith, hadith of Aisha. And that hadith is reported in the Sahihain and Al-Bukhari and Muslim that Aisha radiallahu anha said, As-salatu awwalu ma suridat raka'ataini. That the prayer, when it was originally made obligatory, prayers in general, when it was made obligatory in the Muslims, it was made obligatory as two raka'ah. As two raka'ah. فَأُقِرَّتْ صَلَاةُ الصَّفْرِ وَأُتِلْمَتْ صَلَاةُ الْحَضَرِ Then, the prayer for the traveler was, I mean, it remained as Turaqa, while the prayer of the one who was resident, it was completed, or it was increased to Turaqa. I mean, originally the prayers were Turaqa. Then later, in another hadith, it said, ثُمَّ هَذَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمْ yeah, and then after he made hijrah, the prayers were increased to four rakah, while the prayer of the traveler remained on its original condition of two rakah. This is a proof for the people who said that praying two rakah for the traveler is obligatory. Because Aisha Radhana, she said, It was made obligatory as two rakah, and the traveling prayer remained as two rakah, while the resident's prayer was increased to four. Uh, those who don't agree that it's obligatory, they answered them by saying, by a number of answers, perhaps the best of their answers to them, uh, is that this hadith, it is a statement of Aisha radiallahu anha. It is not attributed to the Prophet Aisha, she didn't say, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, or I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said. She said herself, فُرِدَتْ أَوَّلَ مَا فُرِدَتْ الْفَلَاةِ And in the beginning of the Salat, uh, was made obligatory, it was made obligatory as two rakah. So they said, this is a statement of Aisha and it has not been ascribed to the Prophet And Aisha, she didn't, she was not a witness or wasn't present at the time when the prayers were, oblig- were originally made obligatory. Perhaps she was a very, very small girl. Uh, as for the majority of the scholars, in any case, even if she didn't witness, um, we can say, but still it is a strong proof. Because her statement that the prayers were made obligatory as two rakah and then increased to four rakah is an issue related to the sharia. It's not a matter that you can use intellect to determine or to reflect upon or to make ijtihad. It was a statement of sharia, of Islamic law. And it is not, we don't expect that she would have made such a statement except that it had been reported to her uh, likewise. Otherwise, it's not a matter of ijtihad that a person reflects on the matter and comes to a conclusion. Not a conclusion that she made on her own, but it is a statement of history, how the prayers were originally ordained. So it is still a strong proof for those who said that the prayer for the traveler as Turaqa is obligatory, not optional. In any case, the majority of the scholars, that is Malik and Shafi and Ahmed, rahimahullah, they held that it's not obligatory to shorten the prayers. And one of the proofs that they mention is the ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah, 
chapter 4 verse 101 فَإِذَا ذَرَبْتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ فَلَيْتَ عَلَيْكُمْ جُنَاحٍ أَن تَقْصُرُوا مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ إِذَا يَفْتِنَكُمْ إِذَا إِذَا كُفْتُمْ أَن يَفْتِنَكُمُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا But if anyone goes out into the land on a journey traveling then there is no blame on you if you shorten your prayers there is no blame on you in shortening the prayers if you fear that the enemy, that the disbelievers would cause harm to you. They said that this is a proof that shortening the prayers is not obligatory because the, the expression used in this hadith there is no blame on you if you shorten the prayers indicates that if that originally the prayer is for but if you shortened it out of fear then there is no blame on you. You are not blamed for doing so. Not that you must do it, but there is no blame if you do it. So they said that this indicates that the shortening of the prayers was a permission, not an order, that it's obligatory on you to do. But if you did it, there is no blame on you. Uh, and it was yani, a means of making ease or an allowance or a facility for the people who was in that condition. They also said that completing the prayers or making them as four is the original form or manner in which the prayer is to be performed. Because if we say that there is kafr for the traveler, shortening of the prayer, then there cannot be shortening of something except that it was originally longer and then it was shortened. So they said that the fact that you say that it is shortened, it is kafr, means that originally it was longer and then it was shortened. So they said the original prayer is as four and there is yeah, no harm in praying it according to its original form of Quraqa and whoever shortened it due to need then there is no blame on them. They also used as a proof the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha which was reported by Al-Imam al-Tarqutni and he said that the hadith was happened as the majority of the scholars criticized the hadith and said that it was very very weak. In fact some of them said that it is a fabricated hadith. It was attributed to Aisha radiallahu anha that she said أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقصر في الصفر ويسم ويفسر ويسوم يعني إذا دفعت صلى الله عليه وسلم sometimes used to shorten the prayers to two rakah and sometimes make them complete يعني as four rakah and he used to sometimes break fast while he was traveling and sometimes he would fast يعني sometimes he would fast as a traveler and sometimes he would break his fast due to traveling and sometimes he would make the prayers as four rakah complete and sometimes he would shorten them due to traveling they also use this as a proof that it's permissible to make the prayers complete. Though it's preferable to shorten them, they said it's permissible to make them complete. But this hadith, as I said, many of the scholars of hadith criticized it and said that it was very weak and some of them said that it was fabricated. Uh, one of the answers to this, uh, to the proofs of the Jamhur, the majority, that is Malik and Shafi and Ahmed, is that the ayat which they use as a proof that there is no blame on you if you shorten the prayers, that ayat was, was revealed in reference to the fear <coughs> prayer and to the person who is on the battlefield. If you fear that the enemies will attack you while you're praying, then there is no blame on you to shorten your prayers. So they said, this is not exclusively applicable to the traveler, but it is more applicable to the one who was on the battlefield. This is what the minority opinion, this is what they said in response to the majority opinion, that that hadith is not a proof for you. That hadith is applicable to the person who is on the battlefield, not applicable to the traveler.
In reference to the hadith of Aisha used by the majority, they answered it by saying that that hadith has been criticized as being weak. And in fact, Sheikh Hussain ibn Taymiyyah says, that this hadith is kedid, it is fabricated against the Prophet and this is the more correct opinion that in fact the hadith is not authentic and the more the correct opinion is that, that what is well known amongst the scholars of hadith is that the Prophet never used to pray the prayer as a traveler has more than two rakah, as reported in our hadith here, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, that he accompanied him in his journeys and he never prayed the prayer as more than two rakah, he never completed it. And this is really the more uh, correct opinion concerning this. Uh, the Shaykh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman al-Bastan says that it is preferable that the traveler not that the traveler should not uh, uh, should not avoid the permission, or he should not leave off the permission of shortening the prayers. And the shortening the prayers is preferable, and it should be resorted to by anyone who is traveling. Number one, because this is a manner, or it is a way of istibah, or following the Prophet sallallahu And whoever makes the prayers as a traveler shortened all the time then he is following what the Prophet did all the time. Also, another reason why he said it's preferable to shorten the prayers always is because whoever shortens the prayer escapes from the difference of opinion. The majority said it's permissible to shorten it or to make it complete. So if you shorten it, you're okay according to their opinion. They said it's permissible to shorten it as well as to make it complete. But the other opinion, the opinion of Abu Hanifa and Ibn Hazm, is that it's obligatory to shorten it. So if you shorten it, even with them you're okay. You're okay in both opinions, you don't fall into any wrong. Because they said it's obligatory and they said it's permissible, so if you shorten it, then you have escaped from the difference of opinion. This is better, it's safer to take this position. And also he said, since this was the opinion of the majority, then uh, who held that it's preferable to shorten the prayers. So even if you hold the opinion that it's, uh, it's permissible to make it complete, still they said it is preferable. It is mustahab, it is commendable, and it is closer to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to shorten the prayers. Therefore, it's better to do so. Uh, then he mentions uh, some statements of Shaykh Hussain and Taymiyyah that uh, the completing of the prayers is considered to be makroo, something detestable. And he also uh, reports, Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, even hesitated to confirm the correctness or the acceptability of the traveler who makes their prayer complete. Yeah, and he hesitated to give an opinion that their prayer is sahih or correct if they complete the prayer. He was in doubt about whether or not that prayer, if you complete it as a traveler, whether or not it's acceptable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says also that it is narrated by mutawatir hadith, yani by numerous innumerable reports that the Prophet always used to pray the prayer of the traveler at Turaqah. And so did Abu Bakr and Umar after him. And this is the proof that the praying of the prayer of Turaqa is preferable and the fact that Abu Hamid Umar also did so radiallahu anhum is a proof that this action of the Prophet was not abrogated. Had it been abrogated, then those who came after him after his death, then they would have acted in accordance with that which was the new ruling. 
But the fact that they continued to do like that, Abu Bakr and Umar, is the proof that it wasn't abrogated, so it remained as the final ruling or practice of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. From this hadith, the Shaykh mentions a number of rulings, five in fact. He says the first ruling from this hadith that we understand is that it is legislated to shorten the prayers of four rakah to two rakah for anyone who is in a journey. It is legislated to shorten the prayers of four rakah to two rakah. Number two, that al-qafr or shortening the four prayers to two rakah, it is the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi and as well it is the sunnah of the Khulafa al-Rashidin that it was their sunnah in traveling. That means, as the Prophet said in another hadith, alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al-Khulafa al-Rashidin al-Mahdiyin min ba'di that I order you to follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the Khulafa al-Rashidin those who, the rightly guys needed to, would come after me. So, in praying the prayer of four rakah and two rakah, not only are you abiding by the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, but you are also abiding by the sunnah of the rightly guided khalifah. Number three, the third point he mentions is that uh, shortening the prayer al qasr is a general ruling for the person who travels for hajj, for jihad, or for any journey that is in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who travels for da'wah or otherwise. Whoever travels for those things that are obedience to Allah, traveling for learning the deen, calling people to the deen, doing some act of worship, whether jihad or hajj or umrah or otherwise, that this shortening the prayers is general for all journeys of obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the scholars say that any journey that's allowable, even if it's not for an act of worship, it's not for learning, seeking knowledge, nor teaching the people or making hajj or umrah or any other act of worship, but as long as the journey that someone makes is a lawful journey for something lawful in Islam, then shortening the prayers is permissible for them. And Imam Nawawi rahimahullah says that the jamhur or majority of the scholars held that the permissibility of shortening the prayers is for every permissible journey. But, but some of them said that whoever travels safar al-ma'siyah, a journey to do an act of disobedience to Allah, but that person is not allowed to shorten the prayer. Some of the scholars held this opinion. While the correct opinion is that the permissibility of shortening the prayers is a general permission for any Muslim who is a traveler, and it's not really confined only to the permissible journeys or journeys that are for obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, number four, this hadith also indicates the kindness and consideration and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on his servants in that he allowed for us to shorten the prayers to make some ease and it is also an indication of the lofty and noble nature of the Islamic Sharia in that the Sharia has made it easy on the believers when they are in a journey to perform the obligatory prayer. <coughs> Number five, he says, and this is an important point about which there is a great difference of opinion, that the journey or the traveling that is mentioned in this hadith is mutlaq. It is absolute. It is not confined or defined or restricted to certain types of journeys or certain distance of journey, or certain time 
time frame that you are traveling for at least so many days or at least so many miles or whatever is mukla, it is absolute it has not been restricted by time or distance so it is better that we leave the ruling in that hadith as it is mukla, absolute yani for anyone who is on a journey they are given the rukhsa or the permission to shorten the prayer as long as they travel to any place or any distance to any amount of time that's considered a journey yani whatever is considered as traveling in the customs or the norms of the people of that time and that place where you are if you go to any place for any amount of time and that is normally considered by the people as a journey and you would normally be considered as a traveler then shortening the prayers is applicable to you without any consideration of how long you are traveling or how far you are traveling and it's, it's absolute as for defining or confining or specifying or restricting the permission of shortening the prayers to a particular time or a specific distance there is no proof in the Qur'an nor in the Sunnah specifying it as such and if there is no proof in the Qur'an or Sunnah saying that you cannot shorten the prayers until you travel a certain distance or until you travel for a certain amount of time Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah says that as suffer or traveling or journey has not been restricted or defined by the legislator has not been restricted or, con- or defined by the legislator the shari' that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not in the Quran nor in the Sunnah nor has it been defined in the Arabic language yani in the Arabic language there is no definition in Arabic language that limits suffer or traveling to a certain time or to a certain distance in, not in the Sharia nor in the language in that case what should be considered as suffer or traveling or journey it returns to that which the people in their habits or their customs considered as traveling or journey whatever the people consider as a journey then in the Sharia it would also be considered as a journey and the person is allowed to shorten their prayer in that case we have discussed briefly here the issue of the distance and whether or not there is a, a minimum distance or a minimum amount of time that a person has to travel or to shorten the prayer and other issues that are related to this is when is the person allowed and after when are they allowed to begin shortening their prayer and when you go out of the city a certain distance or after you travel for one day or how long do you have to travel or how far do you have to travel before you can begin performing your prayer as a traveler can you do it from your home while you are uh, going down the street from your house after you get out of the city or when do you start considering yourself as a traveler and another issue that is of importance is when anyone stops over in a particular place during their journey and you are traveling for example from Doha to the Philippines and on the way to the Philippines you stop over in three different countries or two different countries and you stay in one place for six hours and you stay in another place for three days when you stop over for six hours or for three days or for one week is it permissible for you to continue shortening your prayers or is it not permissible? Yani are you, are you in that state as a traveler? you are still a traveler, you haven't reached your home yet but you stop over for one day or two days or three days or six hours are you allowed to continue shortening your prayers? this is also another important issue that the Sheikh didn't mention in his explanation but these are important issues that we need to look at uh, and give some clarification to for that reason, 
I want to read from the more extensive explanation of Al-Imam Ibn Zakiq Al-Eid in his explanation of Amdat Al-Ahkam 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 How much time is there for that then? Okay, inshallah this time So at least read some of it But his explanation is very lengthy Inshallah I will summarize it The first thing that Al-Imam Ibn Zakiq Al-Eid says is that uh, the narration of Al-Bukhari and there is a similar narration in Muslim, which we have read in Hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, uh, indicates that the Prophet used to always shorten his prayer as a traveler. And this is the proof that shortening the prayer is preferable. Uh, and he also repeats the point that the simple act of the Prophet doesn't necessitate it being obligatory, but it at least indicates that it's mustahab or that it's preferable, and therefore, and it is the preferable thing to do. Uh, also, he mentions another point which is of interest, uh, and I'll just summarize it in my own words, I hope that I don't say anything different than what he said because it's very lengthy what he says here. He says that the statement of Abdullah ibn Umar, لا يزيدوا في السفر على راحتيني, that the Prophet didn't use to pray more than two rakah, it could have two possible meanings. When he was a traveler and never prayed more than two rakah, he may be hinting, he may be indicating that the Prophet never prayed the four rakah prayer as more than two rakah. He never completed it as four rakah. Or he may be pointing to the fact that the Prophet never used to pray when he performed the obligatory prayer. He never used to pray the sunnah. He used to pray as two rakah, not praying more than that. And this is indicated by one of the narrations of, uh, from Abdul al-Umar that he was traveling with some people. And when they performed the prayer, in its shortened form, he saw them getting up performing sunnah prayers. That is the sunnah prayers that are performed along with it. And he uh, rejected this uh, action of them and he said that were I going to pray the nafil or sunnah prayers, extra prayers, then I just as well had completed the prayer. And what was the benefit of taking the permission of shortening the prayer to two rakah and then after that praying extra rakah to sunnah? So this narration seems to suggest that perhaps the meaning here of Abdul ibn Umar in this hadith, perhaps the meaning is that the Prophet never used to pray more than two rakah, meaning that he never used to pray any sunnah prayers with the obligatory prayers while he was traveling. And this is well known that the Prophet as a traveler never used to pray the sunnah prayers except the wither prayer and the two rakah before fajr. As for the other prayers, he never used to pray two or four rakah before Zohar or two or four rakah after door, or two rakah or four rakah before after, or two rakah after mother, or anything after Isha. Yeah, and he normally praying two rakah after Isha. He used to abandon all of those sunnah prayers, and the and he only used to pray the witha prayer and two rakah sunnah of Fajr. In any case, Al-Imam Ibn Dhaqiqa'id said that both of these meanings are included in the, the, the wording or the expression that Abdul Ibn Umar used here, لا يزيد في السفر على رقعتين both of these meanings are understood and both of these meanings are correct يعني that the Prophet never used to pray more than two rakah completing the four rakah prayer to four rakah he never used to do that nor did he used to pray any sunnah prayers after shortening the obligatory prayer to two rakah uh, the other issue that is of importance here. Um, uh, 
The other, or the other hadith which are important here that are related to this topic, we can just uh, look at them quickly, is uh, the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. He said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam لا يحل لإمرأة يؤمن أو تؤمن بالله واليوم الآخر أن تسافر مصيرة يوم وليلة ليس معها حرمة This hadith is reported It's indicated on the sheet here This is the hadith of Abu Huraira It's reported by Al-Bukhari And Al-Bukhari entitled this chapter Or the meaning of the hadith first is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa that it is not permissible for a woman who believes in Allah in the last day to travel the distance of a day and a night and she doesn't have a mahram with her. Al-Imam al-Bukhari concerning this hadith entitled the chapter Fi kam yaqsuru as-salat Ya'ni, what is the length of the journey? Al-Imam al-Bukhari he, he indicates the chapter heading which is an indication of his fifth what is the length of the journey that makes it permissible for one to offer the prayer as in their shortened form? And what is the length that a person travels, the length of the journey, where, when it becomes permissible for them to shorten the prayer? Uh, some people said that it's 48 miles, and some people said other than that, and some people said less or more. The fifth of Al-Imam Bukhari that's indicated in this hadith is that even a short journey of a day and a night, even a short journey of a day and a night, it is considered as a journey because the Prophet said in this hadith that it's not permissible for a woman to travel even for a day and a night without a go mahram, without someone with her of the prohibited degree, someone who she is not allowed to marry, such as her father or her brother or her son or uncle, or one of her near close relatives who she's not allowed to marry, including her husband. Uh, this indicates this hadith is an indication that even if it's a short distance that one travels in a day and a night even in that case, it is considered as traveling. But this is not limiting, and this is not specifying that if it's less than a day and a night, that it's not a journey. But what we are saying here is that those who say that it's not a journey unless it's two days or three days or four days or a certain distance that you travel, there is no proof to limit it to such. Uh, and in fact, as Sheikh Hussain al said, that since the Qur'an doesn't limit uh, the permission of shortening the prayer to a certain distance, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, If anyone goes out into the earth as a traveler, Then there's no blame for shortening the prayer. This is a proof that whenever anyone goes out of their land, or out of their city or their state, as a traveler, then there is no blame on them to shorten the prayer, which means that the Quran has left it open, and the Prophet has also left it open, therefore it's not for us to limit it. Another hadith related to this issue is the hadith of Imam al-Bukhari, the hadith of uh, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. He said, صليت أزور مع نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بالمدينة أربعاً وبذل حليفة حليفة ركعتين. And that I prayed the Dhuhr prayer with the Prophet in Medina at four rakah. And in Dhul Hulayfa, which is right outside of Medina, the Miqat of the people who are making Hajj Umrah for Medina, he prayed in Dhul Hulayfa at two rakah. Which is a proof also that the Prophet though he was on a journey, he was going to Mecca and he stopped in Dhul Hulayfa to get an ihram. But when he was at his home, he was still in the city of Medina, he didn't show in the prayers. He prayed the prayer Dhuhr in Medina at four rakah. 
Though he had the intention to be a traveler, but until he got out of the city, he didn't start shortening the prayers until he reached Dhul Khalifa, which is a very short distance outside of Medina. And in this hadith, there is an indication that the person who is intended to travel, as long as they are within the city that they reside in, that they shouldn't begin shortening the prayers until they go outside of the city, as did the Prophet in this hadith. And that Imam al-Bukhari also mentions an effort or a, uh, an, a narration from Ali ibn Abi Talib in the chapter heading uh, in the chapter heading of Imam Bukhari that a person should begin shorten the prayers if they go out of their place yani out of their residence, out of the city that they live in and he said that Ali ibn Abi Talib went yani Ali anhu, that Ali went out on a journey and he began to shorten the prayers while he could still see the houses of the city of Kufa. And he, he was close to the city, but he was outside of the city. He was close enough to still see the houses of the city, and he started shortening the prayers. Which means that, even if you travel a short distance, once you go out of the city that you live in, then you are allowed to shorten the prayers. And in that narration it's also recorded, When he was returning, some of the people said, this is Kufa. We have reached the city of Kufa. And he's telling him, okay, now we should stop shortening the prayer. We have arrived back home, we have ended our journey, but Ali said, La, hasta And we will not stop taking advantage of the permission to shorten the prayer until we enter the city. And they said, but we see the city. He said, no, not until we enter the city. Which is an indication that Ali understood that the permission for shortening the prayer is in. It's in effect until you enter your city. If you are returning and you perform one of the four Akka prayers before you enter the city while you're still outside, you're still considered a traveler and allowed to shorten the prayer. Uh, another hadith which, which indicates the point about when you can start shortening the prayers is the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari on the authority of Anas ibn Malik under the chapter when anyone uh, begins their journey after the sun has declined from its knees, this hadith reported from Anas, he said uh, that the person should pray more and then begin traveling. Yani Anas ibn Malik said that the Prophet whenever he used to travel, before the sun began to decline, Zohar time had not yet come in, then he would delay the Zohar until the time of Asr, then he would descend in the time of Asr and combine the two prayers, Zohar and But if the sun uh, began to decline, the time for Zohar was in, before he started his journey, then in that case, he would pray the Zohar then he would start traveling. That means, this is also an indication that the Prophet if the time for the prayer had came before he started his journey, he would pray in its normal manner. Otherwise, he would leave the city and then he would take advantage of combining the prayers after, after he was out of the city. But if he was still in the city, he would pray the prayer as it normally was. And this is also indicated in another narration from Anas, in the chapter that Al-Bukhari narrated, delaying the Zohar until the time of Asr, uh, if the time for the Zohar or the sun had not begin to decline. It's a similar narration. He said that the Prophet whenever he used to travel before the sun began to decline, he would delay the Zohar until the time of Asr and then he would combine them. And if he, uh, if the sun had begun to decline before he traveled, he would pray the Zohar in its normal manner and then he would begin traveling. So these are some of the hadith related to the issue, uh, to the issue of 
when a person may begin their journey, or when they may begin to take advantage of the uh, permission of shortening the prayers or combining the prayers if they have the intention of traveling. The other issue that we mentioned here, I think we reported, we mentioned one hadith concerning uh, how long, if a person stops over, how long they are allowed to uh, continue shortening their prayers if they stopped over somewhere. And there's a hadith that is reported from Abdul ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu that the Prophet once stayed for 19 days. 19 days, he stopped in a place while he was a traveler. But he stopped over in that place for 19 days and he was continuing shortening the prayer, even though he stopped over in the place for 19 days. So when we, we used to travel, if we stayed for 19 days, we would shorten the prayers. But if we stayed for more than that, then we would begin to complete the prayer and in the full form. In other words, Allah Rabbah said that they were sure up to 19 days is permissible. If you stop over some place for 19 days, it's permissible to continue shortening the prayers because we, we know that the Prophet did so, but more than that we were unsure about and in that case we would make the prayers long. Uh, concerning this issue, there are a lot of opinions. Some of the scholars say that if you stay, the majority opinion uh, is the opinion of those who said that if you stay in a place intending to stay there for four days, for more than four days, then in that case you should make the prayers in full. That's the opinion of Malik and Shafi'i, and there's also an opinion of Ibn Ahmed similar to that. He said if a person stays in a place where they intend to stay long enough to pray 21 prayers, that means, yeah, and it's just over four days. Because five prayers in a day, if you pray 21 prayers, that means, and you stay for four days, and you pray one extra prayer. And this is based on the hadith of the Prophet when he went to make pilgrimage, and he arrived uh, in Mecca on the 4th of Dhul Hijjah. And he prayed the prayers, five prayers on the 4th, the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. And on the 8th he went to Mina. So he stayed in Mecca for four days. Based on that, most of the scholars said four days, it's permissible to shorten the prayers for four days. But if you intend to stay longer than that, then it's not allowed to shorten the prayers. And Muhammad said 25, uh, 21 prayers, because the Prophet prayed in Mecca four days, and he prayed six. that makes it permissible for one to offer the prayers as in their shortened form. And what is the length that a person travels, the length of the journey, where, when it becomes permissible for them to shorten the prayers? Uh, some people said that it's 48 miles, and some people said other than that, and some people said less or more. The fiqh of Aliman Bukhari that's indicated in this hadith is that even a short journey of a day and a night, even a short journey of a day and a night, it is considered as a journey because the Prophet ﷺ said in this hadith that it's not permissible for a woman to travel even for a day and a night without a dhu mahram, without someone with her of the prohibited degree, someone who she is not allowed to marry, such as her father or her brother or her son or uncle or one of her near close relatives who she is not allowed to marry, including her husband. Uh, this indicates, this hadith is an indication that even if it's a short distance that one travels in a day and a night, even in that case, it is considered as traveling. But this is not limiting, yani this is not specifying that if it's less than a day and a night, that it's not a journey. But what we are saying here is that those who said that it's not a journey unless it's two days or three days or four days or certain distance that you travel, yani there is no proof to limit it to such.
Uh, and in fact, as Sheikh Hussam Ibn Taymiyyah said, that since the Qur'an doesn't limit uh, the permission of shortening the prayers to a certain distance, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا ذَرَبْتُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ If anyone goes out in the earth as a traveler, فَلَا جُنَاهَ عَلَيْهِ فَلَا جُنَاهَ عَلَيْكُمْ أَنْ تُقْصُرُوا مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ Then there's no blame on you for shortening the prayers. This is a proof that whenever anyone goes out of their land, or out of their city or their state as a traveler, then there's no blame on them to shorten the prayers. Which means that the Qur'an has left it open, and the Prophet has also left it open, therefore it's not for us to limit it. Another hadith related to this issue is the hadith of Imam al-Bukhari, the hadith of uh, Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. He said, صَلَّيْتُ أَذُرْ مَعَ نَبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهِ وَسَلَمْ بِالْمَدِينَةِ أَرَبَعًا وَبِذِلْ حُلَيْفَ رَكَعَتَيْنِ And that I prayed the Dhuhr prayer with the Prophet in Medina as four rakah. And in Dhul Hulayfa, which is right outside of Medina, the miqat of the people who are making Hajj Umrah for Medina, he prayed in Dhul Hulayfa as two rakah. Which is a proof also that the Prophet though he was on a journey, he was going to Mecca and he stopped in Dhul Hulayfa to get an ihram. But when he was at his home, he was still in the city of Medina, he didn't show in the prayers. He prayed the prayer Dhuhr in Medina as four rakah. Though he had the intention to be a traveler, but until he got out of the city, he didn't start shortening the prayers until he reached Dhul Khalifa, which is a very short distance outside of Medina. And in this hadith, there's an indication that the person who is intended to travel, as long as they are within the city that they reside in, that they shouldn't begin shortening the prayers until they go outside of the city, as did the Prophet in this hadith. And Imam al-Bukhari also mentions an athar or a, uh, a narration from Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu in the chapter heading uh, in the chapter heading of Al-Imam Bukhari Bab يَقْصُرُوا إِذَا خَرَجَ مِنْ مَوْدِعِهِ that a person should begin shorten the prayers if they go out of their place yani out of their residence out of the city that they live in and he said that Ali ibn Abi Talib went يعني خرج Ali radiallahu anhu فَقَصَرَ وَهُوَ يَرَاءَ الْبُيُوتِ that Ali went out on a journey and he began to shorten the prayers while he could still see the houses of the city of Kufa. And he, he was close to the city, but he was outside of the city. He was close enough to still see the houses of the city, and he started shortening the prayers. Which means that, even if you travel a short distance, once you go out of the city that you live in, then you are allowed to shorten the prayers. And in that narration it's also reported, فَلَمَّا رَجَعَ قِيلَ لَهُ هَذِهِ الْكُوفَةِ When he was returning, some of the people said, this is Kufa. We have reached the city of Kufa. Yani telling him, okay, now we should stop shortening the prayers. We have arrived back home, we have ended our journey. But Ali radiallahu said, لا حتى ندخلها. Yani we will not stop taking advantage of the permission of shortening the prayers until we enter the city. Yani they said, but we see the city. He said, no, not until we enter the city. Which is an indication that Ali radiallahu understood that the permission for shortening the prayers is in it's, it's in effect until you enter your city. If you are returning and you perform one of the four rakah prayers before you enter the city while you are still outside, you are still considered a traveler and allowed to shorten the prayers. Uh, another hadith which, which indicates the point about when you can start shortening the prayers is the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari on the authority of Anas ibn Malik under the chapter when anyone uh, begins their journey after the sun has declined from its zenith, this hadith reported from Anas, he said, 
that the person should pray Zuhr and then begin traveling. Yani Anas ibn Malik said that the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he used to travel, before the sun began to decline, Zuhr time had not yet come in, akhara al-Zuhr ila waqt al-Asr. Then he would delay the Zuhr until the time of Asr, thumma nazala fajama'a baynahuma. Then he would descend in the time of Asr and combine the two prayers, Zuhr and Asr. فَإِذَا زَاغَتَ الشَّمْسِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَرْتَحِلَ صَلَّ الظُّهْرِ ثُمَّ رَقِبَ But if the sun uh, began to decline, the time for Zuhr was in, before he started his journey, then in that case, he would pray the Zuhr. Then he would start traveling. That means, this is also indication that the Prophet ﷺ, if the time for the prayer had came before he started his journey, he would pray it in its normal manner. Otherwise, he would leave the city, and then he would take advantage of combining the prayers after after he was out of the city. But if he was still in the city, he would pray the prayers that normally was. And this is also indicated in another narration from Anas, radiallahu anhu, in the chapter that Al-Bukhari narrated, delaying the Zuhur until the time of Asr, uh, if the time for the Zuhur or the sun had not begun to decline. It's a similar narration. He said that the Prophet whenever he used to travel before the sun began to decline, he would delay the Zuhur until the time of Asr, and then he would combine them. And if he... Uh, if the sun had begun to decline before he traveled, he would pray the Zuhr in its normal manner and then he would begin traveling. So these are some of the hadith related to the issue uh, to the issue of uh, when a person may begin their journey or when they may begin taking advantage of the uh, permission of shortening the prayers or combining the prayers if they have the intention of traveling. The other issue that we mentioned here I think we recorded, we mentioned one hadith concerning uh, how long, if a person stopped over, how long they are allowed to uh, continue shortening their prayers if they stopped over somewhere. And there's a hadith that is reported from Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, that the Prophet once stayed for 19 days. 19 days, he stopped in a place while he was a traveler. But he stopped over in that place for 19 days and he was continuing shortening the prayers even though he stopped over in a place for 19 days. So when we, we used to travel, if we stayed for 19 days, we would shorten the prayers. But if we stayed for more than that, then we would begin to complete the prayers, and in their full form. In other words, Abdul Abbas said that we were sure up to 19 days is permissible. If you stop over some place for 19 days, it's permissible to continue shortening the prayers because we, we know that the Prophet did so, but more than that we were unsure about, and in that case we would make the prayers long. Uh, concerning this issue, there are a lot of opinions. Some of the scholars said that if you stayed, the majority opinion uh, is the opinion of those who said that if you stayed in a place intending to stay there for four days, for more than four days, then in that case you should make the prayers in full. Uh, that's the opinion of Malik and Shafi'i, and there's also an opinion of Imam Ahmed similar to that. He said if a person stays in a place where they intend to stay long enough to pray 21 prayers, that means, yeah, and it's just over four days. Because five prayers in a day, if you pray 21 prayers, that means, and you stayed for four days, and you prayed one extra prayer. And this is based on the hadith of the Prophet when he went to make pilgrimage. And he arrived uh, in Mecca on the 4th of Dhul Hijjah. And he prayed the prayers, five prayers on the 4th, the 5th, the 6th, and the 7th. And on the 8th he went to Mina. So he stayed in Mecca for four days. Based on that, most of the scholars said four days, it's permissible to shorten the prayers for four days. But if you intend to stay longer than that, then it's not allowed to uh, shorten the prayers. And Imam Ahmed said 25 
uh, 21 prayers because the Prophet prayed in Mecca four days and he prayed Fajr in Mecca before he went to Mina. So he said if anybody stays in a place at the time that they will pray 21 prayers, yeah, any four days and one more prayer, then uh, they may shorten the prayers. Otherwise, if they stay longer than that, then they should make the prayers uh, in their full. Uh, the opinions of the scholars, there are also a number of other opinions, those who said uh, four days, those who said ten days, fifteen days, nineteen days, twenty days, and there are some hadith which seem to suggest all of this, uh, but none of these hadith where the Prophet stayed in Mecca, for example, for ten days, or as Abdul ibn Abbas said, he stayed for nineteen days in a place, and another time he stayed for twenty days in the battle of Tabuk. None of these hadith, and as well as in the Fatah of Mecca, the conquest of Mecca, he stayed in Mecca for a period of time. None of these hadith indicate that shortening the prayers for these periods of time is the maximum. But they only indicate that the Prophet ﷺ stayed for 10 days on that occasion, for 19 days, on another occasion, for 20 days, on another occasion. That's not a proof that had he stayed for more, that he would, he would have started to lengthen the prayers. That's not a proof. But in any case, uh, some of the scholars yani, base their opinions on these various narrations of hadith and the discussion center is lengthy but in any case uh, a summary of this is mentioned by Shaykh Islam in Taymiyyah in which he says that it is preferable in one, in one of his statements he said that it's preferable that if a person who is in, the, uh, in a condition where they are allowed to shorten the prayers if they were in doubt about what is the maximum length of time that if you stayed in the place, in a place, you can continue short in the prayers? They were in doubt. Then it is safer. It is safer for them to, after any one of these periods of time, it's safer for them to begin making the prayers yani, in their full form. But whoever came to know with clarity and certainty that the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ did not restrict the shortening of the prayers to a person who stayed for a limited amount of time whether four days or ten days or fifteen or nineteen the sunnah does not limit it to such he said that whoever the sunnah became clear to them and they knew that the Prophet ﷺ didn't legislate for the traveler to pray his four rakah prayer as anything other than two rakah and he didn't, didn't limit it to a period of time nor to a distance whoever knows that then that person should pray the four rakah prayers as two rakah. And this is the strongest opinion, although it's not the majority opinion, it is the strongest opinion that if anyone is a traveler, the Quran gives the permission for shortening the prayers as the absolute permission for travelers. If a traveler stops someplace for one day or two days or three days or five days, they are still a traveler and therefore the Quranic permission for shortening the prayers is applicable to them and as well the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ didn't limit it and therefore whoever is a traveler even if they stayed in a place for a lengthy period of time as did some of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ some of them staying in some places for months uh, as is mentioned here by Ibn Taymiyyah that uh, some of them stayed in uh, Nahawan six, six months and they were shortening the prayers uh, and some of them stayed uh, for longer periods of time or shorter periods of time and still they were shortening the prayers and there are many reports of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een uh, and during the time yani, of their journeys that they stayed over in a place for long periods of time and they knew that they were going to stay in those places 
uh, for more than four days or more than five or ten days and nonetheless they still continue to shorten the prayers and this is the proof then that uh, the shortening of the prayers is a permission for the person who is a traveler as long as they are a traveler and that is not limited uh, to any any particular period of four days or ten days or fifteen days or nineteen days or twenty-one prayers as is reported in some of the opinions of the scholars of fiqh uh, but that the permission is open, insha'Allah, as long as the person is a traveler, they are allowed to shorten the prayers. In summary, let me just say that, uh, again as a reminder, that shortening the prayers is one matter, and combining the prayers is another matter. Shortening the prayers is specific to the traveler, whereas combining the prayers has many other reasons or causes. Whether the person is traveling, or due to rain, or due to fear, or due to sickness, or other such reasons. So please don't mix these two issues together as many people think that when they are travelers they combine and shorten the prayers and that the rulings related to them are the same. But in fact the preferable uh, thing to do for the traveler is to shorten their prayers as long as they are traveler. As long as they are traveler it's preferable for them to shorten it as the Prophet ﷺ never prayed his prayers as a traveler except as Turaka. So this is the preferable thing to do except in the case of one who is praying behind an imam who is a resident if the imam is resident not a traveler then he prays for rakah as part of the congregation you would pray with the imam as for rakah otherwise if you prayed alone or if you prayed as the imam then the traveler the preferable thing for the traveler is to pray as two rakah as for the combining of the prayers the preferable thing to do in combining the prayers is to combine them when there is a need and if there is no need for it then the prayers should be performed in their time uh, if a person stays in a place, if they are not actually in the course of traveling, and they stay in a place for one day or half a day or two or three days, then it's preferable to perform the prayers with the Muslims in Jama'ah at the stated times of the prayer. The prayer should be performed in their specific times. This is the general, this is the original rule concerning the Salat. So whoever is a traveler, but they are staying in a place, they should pray with the Muslims. Not uh, pray alone, then when the people go to pray the next prayer, you are sitting around looking at them. So Allah knows best. In any case, this is the, and this appears to be the most, and the best opinions of the scholars concerning combining and shortening. The shortening the prayers is for the travelers as long as they are traveling, and combining the prayers should be done for need. And Allah knows best. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadwan la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa tuwbaleek. If there any corrections or comments or questions, inshaAllah, before we go to prayer. Now, any comments, questions, corrections? No. Our original, your original residence is in the Philippines. No. No. If a person, if a person goes to a land where they intend to stay, where they intend to stay there, then their ruling may be the ruling of a resident person. Yani they are resident. For example, a person who you are resident from the Philippines. And there are so many examples uh, of people who, for example, came here to work. And they stayed here for 10 years, for 15 years, for 25 years. Every time I meet people, I ask them how long you've been here. I'm never, I never cease to be amazed by people who say I've been here 18 years, 21 years, 25 years. How is somebody, you live in that country and you've been here 25 years? 
If a person goes to a place where they intend to stay, uh, where they expect to stay, they stay in that country most of the time and they only stay in their country for a short period of time. Maybe every two or three or four years they go to their country and they stay there for a couple of months. And they stay the rest years, they stay in the other place. And that person is closer to a resident in the place where they are living than in their original home. This Allah, Allah knows best, but it seems that their residence really should be considered the place where they are living. Even though they may go back to their original home sometimes, periodically, now and then. What's that then? Concerning the question of Brother Ismail, uh, I would say, and Allah knows best, that if the person considers themselves a resident where they are working, if they consider themselves a resident, then they should act as a resident. But if they consider themselves as a traveler, and they are considered to be a traveler in the custom of the people, or in the habit or the understanding of the people, then they are entitled to continue taking the permission of shortening the prayers. And this is the opinion uh, of Shaykh Islam ibn Taymiyyah that as long as the Sharia, the Qur'an, no Sunnah has uh, defined the traveler by a certain time period or distance or staying over in a certain place for it hasn't limited it to a certain period of time as long as you are considered, considering yourself as a traveler and you are considered to be a traveler in the custom of the people of that time period that you are living in then you are yani, free to take the option or the permission of shortening the prayers. Uh, and therefore, yani, if you consider yourself not as a resident, but you are, you are a resident of the Philippines, you're just visiting here and you are a traveler, then you are allowed to shorten the prayers. And many of the companions of the Prophet and, the, and, the, and those who came after them used to stay in place for long periods of time and they used to continue shortening their prayers. But if you feel that your staying here is going to be for many years, for a long time, and you're actually going to live here, and you're only going to go back and visit the Philippines, yani from time to time when you have a chance, then perhaps you may consider yourself as a resident. If you consider yourself as a resident, then don't shorten the prayers. If you consider yourself as a traveler, then you're allowed to shorten your prayers even if you stay here for 10 years. You're allowed to shorten your prayers even if you stay here for 10 years because there's no limit set in the Sharia, no in the, yani, in the Quran, no in the Sunnah. Uh, now, in any case, uh, this is the issue about which there is a lot of difference of opinion and Allah knows best, Allah knows best, but 
Yani, the general ruling here is that if you consider yourself to be a traveler and you are considered to be a traveler, no matter how long you stay in a place, it's allowed for you to continue shortening your prayers. Uh, a question came, if I am living in Doha and I travel to Al-Khur, is it permissible for me to combine the prayers or to shorten them? If a person who is living in Doha travels to Al-Khur, in this day and time, in this society that we are living in, if a person goes to Al-Khur, is that considered traveling? Do you consider I'm going on a journey when you go to Al-Khur? If you consider that that's a journey, then you may shorten and combine the prayers. But I think going to Al-Khur today, to the people of Doha, this society and time we are living in, maybe a long time ago, going to Al-Khur on a camel or walking, it was considered a journey. But I think in this time that we are living in, and it's applicable to the time that we're living in. If it's considered by the people that going to Al-Khur is a journey, then take advantage as a traveler of combining and shorten. But I think going to Al-Khur is not considered as a, a journey. And therefore, the person shouldn't combine and shorten the prayers. Uh, if it's not considered in the society that we're living in our time as a journey. I mean, some people go back and forth to Al-Khur just for work. They don't consider themselves as travelers. I'm just going to work. They travel, uh, and it's commuting. So I think it's not considered as a travel, and Allah knows best. But whoever considers that going to Al-Qur is a journey, and when they get ready to go to Al-Qur, they act like a traveler. They pack their bags, and they carry provisions for a journey. Then they may combine and shorten, and Allah knows best. Uh, <laughs> um, if a person lives in one country, and their spouse lives in another country, and they visit every yeah, any, so many months, for example, every 14 months, or every year, or every other year, and so on. Uh, what, what about this? We can say that this, is, this issue is indicated, uh, there's an opinion concerning the person who, uh, live, who has more than one yeah, any, uh, residence, or more than one home, uh, especially in relation to marriage, it is reported in one of the hadith, I don't know if we mentioned this hadith here. Uh, the hadith, I think we didn't mention it. But, uh, now, it is mentioned here, the hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Umar, that I offered prayer with the Prophet وسلم, Abu Bakr and Umar and Minna, and it used to be two rakah, short in prayer. Uthman radiallahu anhu, in the early days of his khalifa, did, khilafa, did the same, but later on he started offering the four prayers, four rakah. Some of the scholars said that the reason why Uthman later began offering the prayers of Raka is due to the fact that he had family in Mecca and he was married in Mecca therefore he considered himself when he went to Mecca as being at home just as when he was in Medina so if a person has family in this place and in that place and when they go to this when they go to that place they are at home with their family and when they come here they have family here and they are at home then in that case they may take the opinion of Uthman ibn Affan and consider themselves as a resident in both places and perform the prayers as four rakah. But this wasn't the majority opinion. It was also the opinion of Aisha radiallahu anha and one of the scholars said, as Zuhri said, that I asked Urwa, as he was asked about Aisha, why did she perform the prayers as four rakah? And he said that Urwa told him that she interpreted the hadith concerning the prayers of a traveler as did Uthman. Yani she understood that if you're in a place where you have family, in that place when you go there you are not considered a traveler and therefore perform the prayers as four rakah. So in any case, yani this is an opinion, but Allahu A'lam, I don't think that it is the strongest opinion, but if anyone yani, uh, considers themselves 
in another place other than their original home due to being due to their marriage or their family or relatives who are there and when they go there they're at home and they don't consider themselves as a traveler but they consider themselves as a resident in both of those places then they may do as Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu and Aisha radiallahu anha did though I think the majority opinion is that even when you go to that place which is not your original home and where you only stay for a short period of time then in that place you are considered as a traveler and you may continue acting as a traveler uh, shortening the prayers um, then is the last question um, you said uh, what the majority of scholars said that you can combine prayers while in the course of traveling but it's preferable to do each salat in their time if there's no need while not in the course of traveling uh, do we agree do we define this need according to ourselves or our own convenience and what are the names of the majority of scholars who said this and defined what that need was and what are the names of the other scholars who said it's permissible to be combine the prayers as a traveler if you are not in the course of traveling why is the evidence stronger that you do each salat in this time and don't combine them as a traveler while in the course of traveling uh, in any case I mean the opinions, the various opinions we mentioned, the opinions were along with the scholars or the madahib who held those opinions. So, uh, um, I think uh, I can't uh, add anything to that. These are the, I mean, those who held the opinion of combining the prayers, uh, that it's allowed to combine the prayers while you're in the course of traveling, we mentioned, and those who uh, even said that it's allowed to combine the prayers even when you stop over as the Prophet Sallallahu did on some occasion and, and we mentioned the proofs for it um, we, we already mentioned it as for the need do we define it according to our own conveniences uh, the need is defined Ma'am, according to the condition of the individual each person according to their circumstance if a person is traveling and they feel inconvenience and difficulty in the travel and they feel a need to, combi- to combine the prayers then they may do so yani every person's condition is different whether they are old or young whether they've been traveling a long time or a short time whether they're traveling in difficult circumstances or easy circumstances it's different from one person to another so it has to be determined by the individual there's no, yani, there's no way to determine for every person in their specific circumstances when there's a need but the person has to determine for themselves in any case it's permissible to combine the prayers when you are a traveler, uh, it's preferable to use it for a need. This is one of the opinions. The other scholars said that it's not limited to need. That whenever you are traveling, you may combine the prayers. And whichever opinion yani anyone thinks is stronger, they may take it. Uh, my own personal opinion is what I stated, that the preferable thing is to use it. I agreed with those scholars that it's preferable to combine the prayers for need. Uh, and uh, the other opinion is also a legitimate opinion. Whoever yani, takes it, then they are welcome to take it. And Allah knows best. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك نعم تفضل if a person is traveling and they pray in jama'ah even if they pray in jama'ah if they pray in Jama'ah, they should pray the prayer with the Imam. But as for the Sunnah prayers, the rule of the Prophet ﷺ, the Sunnah, 
the, the, yani the example of the Prophet in this case is not to pray the Sunnah prayer. Yani, Abdul ibn Umar understood in that hadith he said when he was traveling, when the Prophet was traveling, he never used to pray more than two rakah. The other narration indicates that one of the meanings of that is that he didn't used to pray the Sunnah prayers because he saw people praying the Sunnah prayers and he criticized it. And he mentioned, he mentioned as a proof that you shouldn't pray the Sunnah prayers that he traveled with the Prophet and he never used to pray more than two rakah. So that the original ruling is that if you are a traveler, then you should not pray the Sunnah prayer. Is it forbidden to pray them? We cannot stop somebody if they pray the prayers. But we can say that it is contrary to the Sunnah. It's contrary to the Sunnah. So it's preferable not to pray them. That's different. Yeah, there's a different ruling. The prayers that he didn't used to pray on a journey was the prayers that accompanied the obligatory prayers. As for the, the prayer of entering the masjid or the prayer of istikhara or other such prayers, then that's different. The ruling for them is separate. Allah knows best.